and welcome to the Help Me Get My Shit Together podcast. This is our bi-weekly podcast where we discuss goals, careers, and life planning. Give us a listen on your favorite podcast app, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. My name is Kristen Ritchie. I'm Lauren Henniger. And I'm Courtney Llewellyn. On today's episode, we are going to talk about searching for a job. That can take quite a bit of time and at times be demotivating. So we want to talk about ways to keep yourself motivated, to stay positive, to maybe step outside your comfort zone and things to think about as you're going through this process. Absolutely. Um, and with that, um, I think I think everybody on this call has applied for a job before. I mean, we all worked <laughs> together on jobs, so we all know what this is like. But for folks that maybe are just starting their career search um, for their job, um, I think this is super interesting. Forbes said that on average, 118 people apply for a single job. Do you all think that number is high or low? I think it's probably just what it says in terms of being an average. I okay. think sometimes that's going to move based on the field that you're applying to or the type of position you're applying to. So for instance, higher education, which we have all spent time in, you know, has seen a, a considerable decline um, to the point of where I think they're probably lucky even getting 10 applicants sometimes for some of their positions. So I think, you know, it just maybe depends on on the field and position itself. But I've definitely seen on LinkedIn, as I've applied in the past to project manager jobs and things of that nature, hundreds of people if if those st statistics are right that LinkedIn gives you there's you know a few hundred that are probably applying to each position yeah I agree yeah and for you Courtney I'm happy you mentioned that what is that feeling so you look at a job you're looking you know maybe for you you overpass that number and you you talk yourself into applying for it because that's definitely a process and we can get into that, but you talk yourself into it and then you see on the top that 118 people have applied for that job. What does that do to you, if anything at all? That may not be, I may not take that as, as negatively as I might if it's like, you know, above 200 like as that number goes up my you know excitement for that definitely goes down but I think you know knowing that that's kind of an average seeing that initial number 100 applicants or whatever I think a but if the number goes up then it starts to be like well do I really match all of these you know qualifications that they have am I really able to make myself stand out amongst so many applicants and those types of things start to creep into my mind. Definitely. Absolutely. What about you, Kristen? What would that do to you? I think I would just take it as a data point. And I think that would, so I think if I hadn't applied to the job yet, if I was looking at the job and I was thinking about applying, I would <clears throat> take that dis description and look at how it matches up with my resume and my transferable skills and make sure that I'm calling out things specific from that job, both in my resume 
in my cover letter, assuming that they, sometimes they accept cover letters, sometimes they don't. But if they do, make sure I go into detail about some of the things from that position um, just to see if I can, yeah, the more I can stand out, the better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think for me, it's more of that number might change whether or not I apply for it, because I think I have a sense of what Courtney was getting at and the fact that, you know, I might have, you know, looked at a job, especially coming out of higher education, we all came out of you know, a field that we had dedicated some time to and breaking out of a field is definitely hard and hard on your confidence, at least for me. And so for some of the, the jobs outside of, especially when I was applying for my current position and looking at other jobs outside of the higher ed realm, I was really doubting myself, even though I could do all the different things, um, that number would potentially deter me from applying because in the back of my head, I'm thinking, all right, yes, I can do these things, but there's probably somebody else who is dedicated a bunch of time and energy and they're coming directly out of the corporate world. Why would they take a chance on me? I think some of that too goes back to your network. So if you know anybody in, in, in that industry, or if you know someone at that company where you're thinking about applying, um, maybe reach out to them and see if they can put in a good word for you or something like that. Another place to look at is, you know, is there a professional society for whatever position? Um, I, I think both as an advisor and then now as a project manager, they both have really strong professional development societies and connecting with those can help you connect with people who are in roles that might be able to help you get into another organization. So that can make a big difference. I love that. And that's definitely a podcast we will do later um, on is networking. How does networking, you know, go along with all these things? And I think the nice part about LinkedIn is you can see people who work at the company. You can see, you know, if you do a little bit of stalking. And I mean, you do have to do some stalking. Like this is positive stalking when it comes to um, looking up information about a job. But I would, you know, if there are 118 people on average applying for a single job, and I think, Kristen, you put this perfectly, you got to do some research before you actually hit that apply button. And I know LinkedIn makes it so easy for you where you can literally just click, what is it, quick apply or something where you don't even really have to adjust anything. But as a coach, I would, you know, I would... Uh, challenge the folks that I was working with to do a little bit more research, to step a little bit outside. And I think that can be hard because I know for me, I'm not just applying for, I'm not potentially just applying for one job. I'm applying for multiple positions if I'm in that spot. So, um, I think that's something to be aware of as well, you know, because this is dedication. It's not just, you know, a short-term process. It's not 
an easy task to decide to start applying. And now as a coach, I'm potentially telling you to put more time and effort into that process. So what do you all think about that topic? I think that's the biggest challenge there is with this is just the amount of time because you're right, you know, as you try to go and tailor each application. And I mean, I think the other thing that can sometimes be challenging with applications is the amount of different things each one of them wants. I've come across a lot that, you know, want you to do pre-work essentially, like kind of do a test of sorts with, with, you know, write an email in response to this scenario or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, you know, a lot of them are asking for extra things. Um, so it can get a bit overwhelming and it is very, very time consuming. So then it's like, I think about like diminishing returns, like how many jobs should you really be like targeting to apply to? Like, when is that just getting too much? And maybe you're not, um, I know for myself, like sometimes that can get overwhelming when you're in a period of applying to a lot of things and you just get fatigued, right? And so maybe you're not putting forth the best application at some points too, just because you're, you've hit that spot. I don't know, Kristen, what do you think? I agree. I think it's really important to, to try to maintain your motivation. So for that, I think thinking about what your goal is for each week. So I'm going to apply to X number of jobs each week and, and make it definitely make it a smart goal. So attainable, specific, measurable, <clears throat> all of that. So that, you know, when you reach that goal, whether it's three or five or 10 applications a week, then you reward yourself just for doing the work because it's a lot of work and it's time consuming and it it's stressful and it can be demotivating to get lots, you know, get rejected when they haven't even talked to you maybe and you feel like, oh, I'd be perfect for this job. Well, you know, then you don't get it. But I think on the flip side of it, um, I've been on several search committees. Um, sometimes it it's rarely ever personal and sometimes you, they know who they want, but they have to go through the process or someone else stands out for whatever reason. I mean, there can be lots of reasons why even if you feel like you're perfect for a position that you don't get it. And, and a lot of times it has nothing to do with you. So just how you can keep that motivation and maybe having somebody, you know, having at least a couple of people who can be your cheerleaders just to say, Hey, you did what you plan to do. Great. Celebrate. Even if it doesn't pan out the way you wanted it to. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to remember too, because also like you being on the side of, of being on a lot of search committees, like you said, it rarely has anything to do uh, with the person that, that, you know, maybe is the second runner up or whatnot. And so it's hard to remember that as you're the person applying, going through that process. But I think that's where you also really need to do, you know, some pretty solid reflection after that process too. And that should always be a point to remember that, you know, there's so many factors unfortunately, that come into this process that you have no control over. And no matter how well you do um, with your interviewing or how much experience, sometimes it just, you know, doesn't work out for whatever reason. And 
it's important to remember that, I think, to help you kind of build your res resilience to, as Lauren and I call it, getting the you suck letters. <laughs> and I think, too, if you, even if you're happy where you are, if you ever get a chance to interview people, to be on that, either whether it's a search committee or to interview people for, for jobs, I strongly encourage it. I know it's extra work. But it will be so informative to you because everything you see on like interview do's and don'ts, you're going to see that in interview situations. You're going to be like, what did they just say? Um, but it will help you really see what what stands out to you and what are good qualities and what are good. What are some things that people have done in interviews that you think are positive that you want to incorporate as you're looking for positions? Absolutely. And I'm going to go back to some data. I found the data I was looking for. So this is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 47% of job seekers get invited to one or two interviews after submitting up to 10 applications. And out of that, 27% actually get a job after those 10 applications. So, and I think what you all were just saying is, because I, I, I will say this, you know, from personal experience, applying for jobs and not hearing anything can be a depressing experience. Mm -hmm. It can be an extraordinarily depressing experience. You can start to question everything you've done, all of your education. And in the end, Kristen and Courtney, from what you've all said and what I've experienced as well on search committees is it sometimes has nothing to do with you personally. You could be the best candidate, but because of rules and regulations, they are required to post a job for at least five days. So they might already have an internal person and unfortunately, they have to go through that process to get through all the candidates. And you may have been an amazing person, but they can't come out and say, sorry, Kristen, you didn't get the job because we already were going to give it to Courtney. That is the part we don't get, which does not help that emotional aspect of this whole thing. Because it is emotional. It's a roller coaster yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> but I would say that from the other perspective too, like if you're listening and you are in the role of hiring or supervising, whatever the case may be on that side, let people know. I just never understand that. Like understand that you are asking people to spend and invest time in applying to your position at the least that can happen is that you at least get a, a letter that's you suck letter as we joke about, <laughs> to know that you can mark them off your list and not worry about it. I think that's the least you can do for folks. Yeah. In, my, insane. in my data, there's nothing. So I would love, like, it's all about, you know, how many folks get, you know, applications to interviews. I want to know how many employers ghost candidates on a daily basis, because I would assume that number's pretty high. And it's so unfortunate because, again, we're ruining the confidence of the workforce by doing that. And confidence is sometimes what we need to, you know, persevere and move forward. But I think as coaches, our jobs to help you 
persevere and help you to remember all of these extrinsic things that are happening that are out of your control. So as coaches, we can help you to remember to control what you can control um, and to really make sure, you know, that you are focusing on yourself as an individual and keeping it positive, even if it means, you know, getting a lot of you suck letters, which they should be officially called not rejection letters, but you suck letters. <laughs> yes, but we joke because it's, that's not yeah. truth. It just, that's so much how it feels, right? Yes, if you're getting I, letter I, after letter, like, yeah, it just feels like you suck when again, you know, that's not usually the case, but that is a good time to try to review and reflect and kind of see like have the, have there been a certain type of position or certain types of you know qualifications or whatever it may be within the jobs that you're applying to that maybe need a little bit work you know how can you potentially build like a personal development plan you know to maybe start gaining and working towards those things so that eventually you know the things that you are looking to if you're if you're lacking in an area you can kind of work to build it up Absolutely. And I think what I, when I used to work at a community college, one of the things that I used to recommend to students, especially when they didn't know what they want to do when they grew up, was start to research potential jobs and looking at job descriptions just to see what types of degrees, what types of experience, what types of things they might need under their belt to get to where they want to be. And I think that still holds true to job you know career changers or folks in other places is we have to have a growth mindset you know and we have to always you know be learning and understand that if we think we're always we're perfect for that job it might be a fixed mindset we might have to adjust a little bit to really reflect on and say okay I really, if you really want it, what else can you do? So maybe going back, especially if you're working with a recruiter, potentially emailing that recruiter after, you know, you get that rejection letter and saying, hey, I'm very interested in a position like this. Can you give me a few, can you give me a couple of ideas that I could have worked on to, you know, made myself a better fit for this position? And I think there's so many people out there that don't do that today. Um, and I mean, it really depends on the field um, if you can do that. But I think if you do that extra step, it can really help in that reflection and growth and get some positive, you know, constructive criticism towards that job process of finding what's going to work for you. Because unfortunately, most of us have to work in the world. So this is an inevitable process that we have to go through. Several years ago, I created and taught a career development and planning course. And the, the book that we used was What Color Is Your Parachute? And written by Richard Bowles. And he, that book was originally published in the 70s. And he every year updates that book to reflect current, whatever's happening currently in the career world. And he talks about how to determine kind of what you want to go into doing informational interviews. It gives you tons of detail. He also talks a lot about um, work, looking for jobs and dealing with rejection. And, you know, he has like a whole visual on, you know, there's like 99 no's and then one yes. And, and you just need to work toward that one yes. And um, one of the one year when I taught that course, we had uh 
well, actually several years, we when we taught that course, we had alumni panels of students who had graduated pretty recently and gotten jobs and things like that. And it was really helpful for students in the course to hear, oh, someone who was in my shoes a year or two ago, you know, or three is now out in the workforce and this, they're doing these great things. But one of my students who came back for the alumni panel said, I read that book every day when I was looking for a job. And again, it goes back to that, just trying to keep that. It's hard to stay positive when you're hearing no, 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 but finding ways to do that and, and tapping into those resources. And that's where we as coaches can help. That's where if you have a couple of supportive people who can and maybe even look at your resume and say, hey, maybe you can tweak this or update that. Or how can you talk about this in greater detail to help yourself stand out? So just finding those resources to help you, um, I think, is essential. Absolutely. I think the number one thing I take out of that, Kristen, is you don't have to do it alone. You know, applying for jobs should be a team sport. Um, because you need support from other people. You need people to, you know, when I get a USAC letter, I send it to Courtney, you know, and she reminds me like you, you, you actually don't, you know, actually don't suck. And here are the reasons why you need those cheerleaders, as you said, in your corner, because it's not easy. It's not a, yeah, it's not an easy process. And as I mentioned earlier, and it's an emotional process. Um, so making sure you have people around you that truly support yourself and your goals are is extremely important to it. And I told Kristen before hopping on to this that I will be reading that book very, very soon. Um, not potentially because I'm looking for jobs, but because... I think it puts us also, and you know, it goes back to that girl's mindset. It's learning different things about yourself and about the process to learn more about it and to be more educated on what you can do when those rejection letters come through or you do a phone interview. Courtney, I love how you mentioned all the extra stuff. I think I have a folder of like four or five presentations I did when I was first looking for a job out of graduating from my master's program and having people there to look over those or present to people before actually presenting them, um, you know, on campus, like we used to do is extremely important. So what do you think, Courtney? I agree with that. I was shaking my head because I remember the first time I had to do that. It was a, um, it was an out-of-state trip, you know, flew in the night before late, got to the hotel the next day, getting ready to do like a presentation in front of the entire staff. And I don't remember what I did with my water, but I like literally like it was in my bag and just apparently I didn't get the top on it or whatever. And it spilled everywhere. You want to see some panic five minutes before a presentation. <laughs> Don't put your water bottle in your bag, okay? Because that's just not a good situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's so important uh, to have to have those resources, to have that feedback and assistance from others. I think another point, um, which we're going to talk about very soon too, is just thinking and processing through your wellness, because I think that's something very important uh, to this process too. So. 
Um, I think that'll be something that we'll talk about in the future, but kind of looking through and thinking about your eight dimensions of wellness and, you know, how you can protect your wellness through this process when things aren't going, you know, necessarily maybe the way that you would like. Mm -hmm. And when you know that the wellness is helpful and it's the first thing to go when you get to this point. So as coaches, we can definitely talk about helping you through those different things. So anything to add before we close this one out, ladies? Again, I, I mean, we've said it, but I'll say it again. Just find ways so that you are not isolated. Find ways to connect because that is just so important as you're, you're hearing, as you're hearing nothing or you're hearing the rejection and, and just know that if you take a lot of, if you take it and you try to make yourself better, eventually it's going to work out. You're going to get there. Um, it's just working through these hurdles. You're applying for a reason. Write down that reason. Write down that piece because there's a part of you that's not happy with what you're potentially doing or you're a new career starter and you're applying for a reason. Um, so remember that reason and really, as Courtney keeps saying throughout this conversation, really reflect on why you're doing it and why it's important to you um, to really keep that, you know, afloat throughout the process. So Courtney, from you. Yeah. And just reach out to us, call us. Uh, we're here to help if you want to work through that with a coach. And we also have set up where you can send us your questions. So if you have specific questions towards this, shoot it to us on our website and we will address it here in a future podcast. Thank you.